Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. All right. Yeah, good to be here. Uh, And uh, we're continuing the series on I Am Group. I Am Group. And uh, don't you love that title? Come on. I like it. And of course, it's a play on the... um, Guardians of the Galaxy movie where there's a character and the only line he says is, I am Groot. And of course, he means every, uh, lots of different things by it. But the, the Guardians of the Galaxy, if you haven't seen it, it's just a group of really individually, they're sort of misfits. But when they come together, they become superheroes. And it's that idea that kind of translates into, you know, as individual Christians, we can do a certain amount, but when we're together as a group, we can do even more. And uh, so this month, we're taking uh, several weeks just to delve into different aspects of small group ministry, why we do it, how we do it. And today, I'm going to be talking about a particular aspect that applies to it. And that's the aspect of confidentiality. It doesn't apply only to small groups, but it certainly is an important aspect of doing small groups. In general, just how this applies to small groups and and, uh, community groups is, you know, what's shared in the small group stays in the small group. Does that make sense? In other words, uh, we want to create an atmosphere where people can share issues. Again, we've talked about, you know, the group setting is not a counseling, it's not group therapy, it's not where you go deep, but if if you are Uh, struggling with a particular area or having success in a particular area, we are hoping that the community groups become a place where those things can be shared and there can be encouragement as well as there can be celebration when people are doing well. And so it's all about that transformation. We do life to better. We do life better when we do it in community. People were created to be in community and so small groups and community groups are, are uh, an important aspect, and we need to learn how to, to, to um, steward it well. <clears throat> and understanding healthy confidentiality is a big part of that. And there's healthy confidentiality, but then there's also this thing that I call a confidentiality trap. Okay? <clears throat> confidentiality traps are really scary. Are you scared? You're going to be. Hopefully not. (laughs) I've actually taught about confidentiality trap. Um, I do it as a normal part when I go into leader school and pastor's training uh, schools that I do frequently. But I don't think I've ever done an actual sermon on it. I've done it in individual basis. And then uh, I thought, well, gosh, I better teach this as a sermon. So um, normally I teach this to leaders and how to create a healthy atmosphere and prevent confidentiality traps happening. Confidentiality traps, and, and um, as I explain them, you'll understand how, lead to uh, an atmosphere where gossip becomes really, really uh, uh, prevalent. And we want to have a gossip-free community. Amen? All right. <clears throat> so we're going to go through, hopefully quickly, a number of verses that the... Um, Ideas are based on, so Proverbs eleven thirteen. a talebearer or a gossiper reveals secrets, but he who is fa- of a faithful spirit 
conceals a matter. And so a talebearer, whenever that term is used, it's always used with a negative um, uh, understanding that the motivation is, is undermining, they're, they're telling secrets in an unhealthy way. And a talebearer goes about revealing other people's uh, secrets, things that should be kept confidential. But if you're faithful, you actually conceal a matter. And so um, to be a faithful person means that you can be trusted to keep things confidential. A gossip betrays confidence, so avoid a man or woman, a person who talks too much. <laughs> I couldn't find a good translation. They, they all went one way, too far one way or the other. So uh, some people just talk randomly too much. <laughs> That's different. This is referring to, you know, people that are just always telling stories about other people. You just, just avoid them. That's really a good rule of life. You know, just, just you know, find somewhere else to go. He who conceals a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. And so when you repeat something that should be kept confidential, you run the risk of destroying intimate friendship and, and deep relationships. And it's really, really sad when that happens, when something that shouldn't be spoken is spoken in an inappropriate way or inappropriate setting or to the wrong people and it actually destroys relationships. And, and that is something um, <clears throat> that is very, very serious to God because God is committed to growing healthy relationships. So <clears throat> then Jesus comes along and shares his view on confidentiality. Are you ready? Put your seatbelts on because this may blow you out of the seat. All right? Jesus says there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be made, uh, that will not uh, be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark, it will be heard in the light. What you have spoken in the ear in inner rooms will be proclaimed on the internet. <laughs> huh? Jesus just said every secret that's ever been shared is going to be publicly proclaimed and announced to the whole world. All right, just let that sink in for a minute. Jesus doesn't lie. Do you believe that? So if he said it, do you think it's going to happen? Okay. So everything you've ever said, <laughs> everyone's going to hear. Are you scared yet? You should be. All right. I tell you, on the day of judgment, Jesus said this, not me. Don't, don't get angry at me. Jesus said this. Loving, tender, forgiving Jesus, who washes away your sins. Nevertheless, on the day of judgment, you and I and everyone will give an account for every careless word. So that's not just the carefully scripted words, like when you preach a sermon or you practice really diligently just to get it right. That's for every word that slips out of your mouth, even when you're alone. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. 
So get ready. Everything you say, good, bad, neutral. I don't know how Jesus is going to do this. All right, there's 7 billion people on the planet alive today. That doesn't count all the people that have ever lived in the past. And I believe somehow Jesus is going to take the time with each one of us individually to go through all the words we've said. Now, keep in mind, in the resurrection, we'll have an eternity to do that. All right? So he's not in a hurry. And then, you know, time doesn't really matter with God. So he can kind of get around that. But in some way, this will happen just as it says. We will give account for every word. So the idea here is that, yeah, we keep secrets, but we understand there's a limit to secrets and a limit to confidentiality. Because Jesus says, we're going to have to deal with everything that's said. And everything will come out in the end. And and another principle that this is based on is that in Proverbs 18, it says, the first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examine him. Right? And so if you listen to someone, and they seem right. I mean, most people think they're right most of the time. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you think what you did was right. Or you think how you perceived the situation was actually how it happened. I mean, you were there, you saw it, you heard it. And so obviously, you know, he said this, she said this, he did that, she did that, and this is what happened. But... The Bible says your perspective is just your perspective because someone else comes along and go, no, that's not quite what I saw. And the reality is there are, there's a legitimacy that different people see different things. And then whatever people say, whatever people do, triggers different things in you because each one of us is significantly different. And we're bringing different emotional Uh, emotions into it, different memories into it. We experience every interaction differently, right? And so we all have our own perspective. Um, Matthew 18 is uh, the premier verse that deals with um, confronting uh, uh, issues, especially within the church, within a community setting. Jesus said, if a brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. Okay, and so this is, this is the biblical guidelines for conflict revolution, uh, revolution, resolution. <laughs> All right? <laughs> Which is a revolution. I'm telling you, if people did this, it would lead to a radical change. <clears throat> and, uh, it's, and when people don't follow this guideline, it leads to dis- distra- uh, disaster. And so if someone sins against you, if there's a conflict, if there's a misunderstanding, if there's hurt feelings, first step, go to that person and say, hey, you said this, it made me feel this way. All right? And they'll go, wow, yeah, because I really feel that way. You are, you know. Most of them will go, I'm sorry, that's not what I meant. And you work through it. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. In other words, the relationship is restored. But if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more. In other words, get, get a couple other people to, to, to get together with an individual that's maybe behaving in a way that's disruptive. 
And, and then Jesus quotes an Old Testament verse, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word will be established. So you need at least two or three witnesses that can say, hey, you've been doing this behavior and it's destructive. We need to see some change in this area. If he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. Now, <clears throat> I'd like to explain, I believe, and I, uh, not only from the context of this verse, but how it's handled elsewhere in Scripture and just the way it works in real life. To the, telling it to the church is not announcing it publicly on a Sunday morning. Or Facebook. In Facebook, no. Maybe in the Facebook group. No, not in that either. Okay. <laughs> it means bring in someone from a church leadership that represents the church that can deal with the issue with more uh, authority within the community. Now, you understand... Church is a community. It has its own authority structure. That's different than world authority. It's not like you're calling the police, right? You're calling leaders in the church because the leaders of church are tasked to, uh, to the responsibility of keeping the community healthy and resolving relationships as well as pursuing righteousness and getting everyone moving closer in relationship toward one another and to God. And so they're there to help restore relationships. But if this person refuses even to hear the church, then let them be like a heathen or a tax collector. <clears throat> and so this, of course, applies to serious church discipline. If someone is behaving in a way that's contrary to the uh, uh, lifestyle described in the Bible for a Christian to live, and so actually can lead to saying, listen, you're no longer welcome in the church. That's rarely, I've only, as a pastor in 35 years, had to do that a couple of times. And that's only done if the individual is doing something that's harmful to others in the church. This is <clears throat> uh, uh, addressing, you know, a, a, someone that's refusing to change no matter how many times they've been confronted, and they're continuing, continuing in behavior that's actually destructive, that's contrary to Scripture. And there's a point at which you do set a boundary to where you recognize that they're not following Jesus. Now, when you treat someone like a heathen, that doesn't mean you hate them. That means you love them and preach the gospel to them. All right? And so a lot of people in church history have gotten that wrong. And they've treated outcasts as like, uh, you, know, you know, cursed people when they're actually people to be ministered the love of God so that they hopefully will repent and come back into proper relationship. All right, so based on these scriptures and, and the rest of the Bible, <laughs> as well as lots of uh, experiences and, and teachings, I've come up with 12 basic rules uh, to avoid gossip and uh, confidentiality trap. And so just let me explain the confidentiality trap. <clears throat> confidentiality trap happens when someone comes up to you and says, um, hey, uh, I just, you know, I, I, I need to tell you something, but I got i got to make you promise, you, you can't tell anybody else. Right? If they start a conversation with that, just say no. Like drugs. <laughs> just say no. Seriously. All right? You're going to believe me, hopefully, by the end of this. If not, think about it, pray about it. But they'll say, you know, uh, and then they'll say something like, you'll go, okay, yeah, sure. Because yeah, you want to be 
faithful friend. Sure, I'll keep it a secret. But they're like, don't tell anybody. Well, okay. And then they'll often will say, uh, you know, I, so-and-so in the church has been just behaving in a way I think, I think they're, they're mad at me or I think they're having an affair. I think they're stealing. And I think, I think fill in the blank. And I saw him do this. And I saw him do that. And I just think there's something wrong with them. But don't tell anybody because, you know, we'll just pray about it. Right? Boy, if something like that happens, all your red flags should go up. Okay? Because you're just hearing their perspective and they're, they're telling you to make an oath not to verify that perspective. And we know that they think they're right, but the Bible says when somebody else comes along, it'll be proven that they're not 100% correct. How do you get around this? Right? And this happens all the time. When I explain this to uh, pastors and leaders, I'll go, have you, ever heard, have you ever experienced this situation? And they'll go, yeah, we have like three of those going on in the church right now. Right. Okay, so here are the rules. First of all, words have power. Um, Proverbs says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Words have power to bring life or to bring death. And you need to respect that. Jesus says we're going to give account for every word and our justification will be based on what we've said and how we account for it. They have power. Strive to always speak life. Speak good things. Say good, speak good report. And not negative things, not destructive things, not about people's problems or faults, but about people's strength. Is there a time to discuss problems and faults? Yes. But we, even then, we need to do it in a way that respects the power of our words. Second thing is, I don't believe there should be any secrets. And I'll explain this. Anything that someone says in a meeting or a counseling appointment, a counseling appointment. Now, this doesn't apply to licensed professional counselors. They have a different rule book that's uh, established by the government. How many want to be a disciple of the government? Okay, we just settled that. <laughs> so they do, and it's a good thing. When you go to a licensed counselor, I go to a licensed counselor from time to time, and I'll tell him stuff, and I, I have a, an assurance that he can't tell anybody. So I can just make up stuff. <laughs> or I can tell the way it really is. This is what I think, and it doesn't matter, you know, because he can't tell anybody. And you go away going, that feels better doesn't solve any problems. In the church, it's a little different. So what I mean by no secrets is that anything said in any setting um, may be shared, first of all, with your spouse. Because I believe they're in the principle that there should be no secrets in marriage. Okay, So you can't dump something on me so that I can't talk about it with anyone else, especially my spouse. Because if I come home and I'm freaked out by something somebody said, they're gonna, my spouse is going to know. They're going to go, what's happening? And you have the freedom to talk to them. And in the church, 
You have the freedom to talk to anyone in spiritual authority over you. Those that you go to that are recognized as spiritual leaders that you go to for spiritual advice. All right? So if someone says something, whatever it is, even if they made you promise that you wouldn't tell anyone, you can go to your pastor and say, this person said this to me. Now, why is this important? This is important for your health. Because I've seen people that have struggled with what they've heard for weeks, months, even years, even decades. Never to find out that what they heard wasn't even true. Because they couldn't talk to anybody about it. Or they never were able to find out what to do with what they heard because they weren't allowed to talk to anybody about it, okay? And so you can go to those in spiritual authority over you, spiritual advisors, that will handle the information in a correct way. Now, what that means is, if you come to me and share something, so you come to me and say, Pastor, Bobby Joe said, I always try to have to think of a name of someone that doesn't come, we don't have in our church. We had a Bobby Joe, not that Bobby Bobby Joe Smith, <laughs> you know, said that they saw, you know, Carolina with a man that wasn't her husband at a restaurant when they were in another town, and they were holding hands, and they seemed to be really intimate. Really? Well, did they talk to her about that? No. No, they didn't know what to do. And he said, well, I happen to know that <clears throat> uh, she, she, she mentioned that she was meeting with her brother that she hadn't seen for years and that his wife had recently been diagnosed with cancer. And so maybe they were, maybe they were praying and holding hands prayer. You, know? you don't know what the situation is, right? But you see somebody like that in that situation, you're going to go away thinking the worst. And so you have an opportunity to process. Or, Pastor, I was talking with uh, Sammy, and, and Sammy is uh, he's really depressed. I don't know what to do with it. I, like, man, I'm really concerned about him. You, you just did something by communicating it to someone else who cares, who may be able to help. All right? And so you can come to those in spiritual authority, or you can talk to your spouse about it so that you can process uh, what is going on in your heart. And a minor, or I would say someone living in their home with their parents, can always talk to their parents. I try to tell my kids, I don't know if they remember it, but <coughs> three of them are here today, you can ask them. You, know, you can always tell me anything, all right? And then I'll keep it safe, I'll handle it in a way that's healthy. Right? So number two rule is no secrets. Number three rule is may does not mean must. Okay, as your pastor, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> All right, may does not mean must. That would be a complete abuse of this principle. All right, if you hear somebody, somebody tells you something about somebody else, you have to go tell the, the people in spiritual authority. No! No, 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 not at all. But you can if you have to. 
And how do you know if you have to? Well, that's up to you. If you can't rest, if you think there's more to it, if you're concerned about the outcome of it, if you don't know how to process it, I don't tell my wife 99%, probably 99.5% of what I deal with on a day-to-day basis, week-to-week basis. She doesn't hear it because I don't need to go home and share all this stuff with her. But if I need her to know in case that person contacts her about it, you know, then I'd want to keep her up to speed. Or if I need her to know because it's really troubling me, then I need to be able to tell her. Does this make sense? Okay. And so it's your judgment call. Somebody tells you something that's going on. Is this something the pastor should know? Uh, and you have to decide, is this something significant? Is this something that you need to process? Is, you, is this something that something, someone in the church may need to follow up for the benefit of the individual or for the health of the church? Um, and then so only the people, so if you were to tell me something as a, per, uh, a member of this congregation, and I'm your pastor and you confide or you tell Pastor Bill about it, we don't have the freedom to tell just anybody. We can't just go to some in the church and go, let me tell you the problems, uh, you know, Joe's having a, no, because that would be an abuse of this, right? But if you tell me, I might sit down with the other pastors in the church and say, guys, this is going on in our church. What should we do about it? Okay. And so that would be one exemption to the no secrets rule, something that's shared in, say, pastors talking about how to deal with the problem within the church, there are times where I'll say, okay, guys, this doesn't go outside of the room. Because we're, as pastors working together for the health of the church, we want to discuss options of how to respond to a, a situation. So there are times where there is confidentiality within a, a specific group of leadership. But in general, anything I say to anyone is something that you can tell to people uh, your spouse, people over you in the Lord, and such. Here's another one. This is my favorite. Naming someone includes them. <laughs> this will prevent gossip in any situation. Because if you come up to me, say, Pastor, I just got to tell you something. I'm like, okay. Billy, Billy Bob. Billy Bob is just an envious, negative, everything he says is, is just bitter. I think he's, he's just like, you know, da 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 I'm like, great, I'll talk to Billy Bob about what you just said. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't tell him what. No, I care about him. I want you to do something. But, but don't tell him I told you. Well, I'm sorry. Too late. Okay? So if you bring up someone in the conversation, that person is now part of that conversation. And I can go talk to that someone and say, you know, Jimmy said <clears throat> that you had the problem with this. And he'll go, well, I don't know what you're talking about. And he'll go, well, let's, let's actually meet then. <laughs> let's resolve that. Someone has a problem and you bring it to the church. The church's goal is to bring restoration. And so the church is going to bring it together. It's all based on Matthew 18. You can't talk about other people. And so two people in the church, 
talking about someone else, a third person in the church, or not in the church, you bring up their name. That person has the permission to go talk to them. Now, what this will do is, you're not going to bring up stuff unless it's actually real and that you care for a restoration of relationship because that other person may go talk to them about it and reveal your name. All right? May does not mean must. You don't have to do it, but you have the opportunity to do it um, if it's necessary. Again, most of the time I don't. I'll just go, wow, thanks for sharing that. I'll keep that in mind. And then if I hear or see it myself, and I see two or three witnesses confirming that, then I might go to the individual and talk to them. And then if they, on my own uh, report, don't see an issue that they have in their life, I might say, well, there's actually been like three other people. You know, so-and-so talked to me about it. So-and-so talked to me about it. And, and, you know, this is something, and we can all get together if you'd like. And so it's done out of love. Is this making sense? It's done to prevent gossip, and it's done to prevent the confidentiality trap that someone dumps on you something that then you don't know how to deal with it. And that is unhealthy in every situation. You always have a relief veil. All right, number five, <clears throat> subjective accuracy. Love believes all things. If you come to me and tell me something about yourself, about a memory, about somebody else, I believe you. I believe, I love you, therefore I believe you. I believe that what you're saying is exactly, you're, you're presenting what you believe happened. Or it's accurate to what you think actually happened. But I, at the same time, also believe that your perception may be completely different from the other person that was involved in the experience. So I can, I can love you and believe you, and at the same time, not accept your version as objective reality. And if you have the other person, I believe them, I believe that they're being truthful to what they believe, but I don't believe it's necessarily truthful to what really happened. Because we all see in part, we all hear in part. We are not infallible. That's actually one of the last points. Okay? Um, and so, uh, for example, if someone uh, comes to me and they share a childhood example, something that happened, a trauma or in a counseling appointment, uh, trauma that happened to them, maybe they had a, uh, their parents treated them in a particular way. Well, if I happen to know their parents, or even if I don't know their parents, I don't judge their parents as being evil parents. Because they're just sharing their experience. Okay? And, it, and, and it's shaped by their hurts and their, their, their perception. And so I would never transpose their judgments or their experience on the actual individual they're talking about. Does this make sense? because their perception is going to be totally radically different. And one of the most often times this happens is a person has a problem with a pastor or someone in church leadership. Ha! Could you imagine that? <laughs> <laughs> and they go to another person or a counselor, and I've actually had this experience with 
counselors that I've known, they take up the person's offense. And they believe the bad report about a pastor. All right? Rather, and they don't go to the pastor and say, this is what happened. You know, uh, and, uh, and they don't keep it isolated. They don't say, well, this was this person's experience. I have to help them through their, their experience and help them process it. But I'm not going to make a judgment based on their accusations of someone else. It's okay to process hard feelings in a counseling appointment. But if you're on the hearer side, if you're the counselor, don't make a judgment based on someone's accusation. All right? Super important to protect the health of the community. Because, number six, verbal processing is normal and good. All right? It's really important that you're able to talk through your emotions with someone safe. And so we want to create an atmosphere where you can talk through stuff. How can that be done in a safe way? It's when you have the relief valve of having the permission to go to people in spiritual authority and to go to your spouse or your parents if you're, if you're a young person. Does this make sense? And, and it gives verbal processing its proper place. And you can talk through things without allowing it to go to accusations. Number seven, no anonymous accusations. No anonymous Accusations are loud. <clears throat> You're going, well, what do you mean? Well, let me tell you. Pastor? Yes. Um, I just want you to know, there's, there's a lot of people in the church uh, that really think uh, the music is too loud and often too quiet, and the room is always too hot and, and many times too cold. <clears throat> We feel that the way you're doing small groups is really bad. And overall, we're, we're, there's just a whole lot of people offended in the church right now. And I'll go, really? Who? Oh, well, we, you know, I'm, I need to keep this confidential. I'm like, mm, no, you can't. No anonymous accusations allowed. If you really drill it down, usually it's them. And they think it's a lot of people because when they complain to other people, other people go, go, I don't deal with that. So they don't actually shut them up. Are you hearing me? Boy, it's always so loud in here. You know, how do you, you know, yeah, I know, you know, you go, well, sit near the back. Are you hearing me? Boy, he's always so offensive. Oh, wow. Most people won't answer that, and so the person counts that as, oh, this person agrees with me because they didn't disagree with me. And then they imagine 10 other people. All right? So if you're going to come to someone, anyone, about anything, don't say a whole lot of people. Don't say me and a bunch of people. Don't say a lot of us. Say me and, and Johnny are concerned. That's honest. Okay? And then you can actually do something about it. Uh, there's just there's no anonymous accusations allowed. Um, you guys good with that? 
This happens almost on a weekly basis in churches, okay? And I just don't listen to it. I learned long ago. I'll just say, sorry, if you're not willing to give names, I'm not willing to listen. Go pray about it. Because it doesn't lead to anything other than more, you know, I'm not going to go leave that meeting and go, oh, how many people are thinking that? You don't want me to come up to you and say, you know what? There's a whole bunch of people that think the way you're parenting is just really bad. They see the way you treat your kids, and they're just, they, are, they don't know what to do about it. And then the rest of the life you're going around, I wonder who those people are. You see how that's unfair? You know? This is unfair. So it works the same way in every realm of life. Got to get through the rest of these. <clears throat> Number eight, obey the law. Is that hard? Okay, if someone's physical safety, someone says they're going to harm themselves, if you feel that so, a minor is at risk of being abused, you're obligated in most situations to report that to the police. Now, let me just clue you in. Often nothing happens because the police have very limited uh, resources. And what will, what will happen eventually if it's a minor They'll begin an investigation, but it may be months later. But there is, depending on your role, pastors are mandatory reporters in the state of Michigan, teachers, nurses. Uh, but generally, if someone is going to hurt themselves, if you feel that someone's at risk of hurting themselves, take them to the emergency room. Okay? Trick them. I've done this. Hey, man, let's just go get a milkshake or let's get a beer or whatever. Get them in the car and take them to the ER. And then open the door and drag them in. That, you've fulfilled your responsibility. Because then they can deal with it. Someone's physically going to harm themselves. Now, <clears throat> this doesn't mean that if you heard a rumor that someone was abusing their spouse. Okay? Because that's secondhand knowledge. That's hearsay. All right? And there's, you don't, now you, you hear a rumor that so-and-so's beating their kids and you call the police, John, John's beating their kids. Oh, do you have any evidence of it? No, I just heard somebody else tell me. Well, that, they're going to go, sorry, sir, bye. All right, so you have to filter it. Is this something that either the perpetrator or the victim is telling you actually happened and then make your response uh, consistent with what the law requires? Number nine, respect other authorities. So in other realms of life. Now how this applies in church, if someone comes up to me and starts ragging on another pastor, I will shut them down, okay? As quickly as I possibly can, or another minister. Boy, someone come up to me, <clears throat> seriously, you come up and say, that Joel Olstein guy, I just can't believe him. I'm going, I think he's amazing. I have, and I've dedicated 35 years of my life, and I can barely get over 100 people in a room. That dude's got like 30, 40,000 people coming in. I don't know what he's doing. Sells more books. All the money he makes, he makes off his books. You know, so if you accuse me, someone <clears throat> come to me and they start talking about another pastor in town. Oh, yeah, he's a good friend of mine. And actually... <laughs> He's much nicer than I am. <laughs> it's just amazing how that just, how they talk changes immediately. 
because I'm what I'm doing is I'm not judging Joel Olstein. How can I judge Joel Olstein? I've never met him. All right, I don't watch him on TV. I don't watch Christian television. I barely watch television. Okay, the last thing I'm going to do is watch another preacher. <laughs> <laughs> So, you're just respecting their authority. And you don't know all the details. And so you're not in the place of judging. i got to get to this one. Collateral damage. It's almost always a third or fourth party that actually is hurt. So if person number A has a problem with a pastor or a complaint with the church, and then they tell person number B and C, you know, and so now everybody's sharing this complaint, and I find out about it. I'm the pastor, and I go to person number A, and I'm like, I understand that you were hurt when I said this, uh, you know, six months ago or a year ago or two weeks ago. And they go, well, yeah, I actually was. And I'm like, well, let me explain it to you. And we work it out, and we're in good relationship. And then all of a sudden, person B leaves the church, and we don't know why. It's because person A never went back and told person B that actually their perception was wrong and that their relationship has been restored. So person B and person C lead the church or continue carrying a complaint that doesn't even exist anymore. And you can't track those rabbits down. All right? And understanding this principle that the collateral damage, that's why it's always that first that rule that there's no secrets. Person B and person C could have come to the person that person A had a complaint with and talked to them about it, and then they could have had it resolved. That's why it's so, so important. Pastoral pastors and leaders must be safe. And, uh, you know, not all pastors and not all leaders are. I understand that. But we strive to create an atmosphere where it's safe. And listen, you can come to me and talk to me about anything. All right? If I have offended you, you can come and talk to me. I will not be surprised. Okay. What you may find out is that you may be surprised at how I'm like, yeah, I know. I do that all the time. Seriously. Almost every week, someone will come to me and bring up something that I said or did that hurt them. All right? And I realize I do things and say things that hurt people. Okay? I am the bull in the china closet. All right? And I... I I don't even defend myself because I believe what you're saying. And, uh, and so if you come to me and say I did or said something that was hurtful, um, I'll say, what did I do? I'm sorry, I don't remember. No, how could you not remember? It's like, well, I just don't. You know, and if you share it, I'll, I, I guarantee you actually, I'll go, forgive me, I was wrong, what an idiot. Because I just do it so often. <laughs> now, I might say, this was the context, but I'm not even defending that I hurt you because I know I hurt people often, all right? And, I'm, and, and as a church, this church, and all the churches that I go to communicate these truths to, I really try to pound this in, that we, we as pastors need to create a safety, a safe place where people can come and share their hurt and not feel like, you know, they're going to be now under our thumb quite the opposite. I will be all the more sensitive because I need help too. And this leads to the last point is that no one is infallible. Okay? No one's infallible. Not even the Pope. Even the Pope 
is only considered infallible when he's standing making particular decrees. <laughs> Serious, it's not like he's infallible all the time. Catholic theology doesn't believe that. It's just when he states certain things in his official capacity as a representative of the church when it's already been decided by the whole leadership. I'm not trying to tell you that's right. I happen to not believe in the papal authority. <laughs> but I do believe that no one's infallible except Jesus Christ. And so uh, take that in consideration when you have a complaint. 